Welcome back to the Whitney Whiskey Cast. I'm here with my co-host Mark. Hola. And I, am, of course, am DJ Gagnon. It's great to, well, I guess, talk at all of you this fine evening. Uh, I, I would say see, but uh, this is an audio-only medium. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> we're we're back. Uh, you know, second episodes of season two. Uh, back in the studio, Mark's no longer homeless. Everything's good, and uh, you know, just figure I kick it off with Mark. What do you What have you been up to this week? Did it really take you eighteen episodes to realize that people can't see us and we can't see them? Moving on. <laughs> oh well, I, what have I been up to this week? I finally took my Christmas tree down, so there's that. <sighs> Terrible. Um, no, we had a. We had a big Zoom event at work, and, you know, it's interesting. You kind of, you know, with all of last year, with 2020 being crazy, and then, you know, 2021 still being kind of nutsy cuckoo, you have to really uh, reevaluate and readjust your mindset. You know, a big part of my gig when I'm not, you know, lecturing at people and, you know, being all uppity historian is we do a lot of events, we do a lot of fundraisers, we try to do promotion. And so you have to look at it totally differently. Like we had 40, 42 or 43 people at one time on this Zoom call. And at first you're kind of like, uh, you know, I was hoping for a little bit more. You know, it's Zoom. Everybody could be at home in their underwear. It doesn't really take a lot of effort. But you have to take a step back and really look at it. If we had 43 people in our conference room that we had done uh, in-person events at prior to the Rona, it only holds 50 people. So 43 would have been a great house. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the way you have to look at it. And, you know, it's just it's still an adjustment, you know, what, a year later now, 11 months later, however the hell long it's been. Uh, so, you know, we have that going for us. Uh, but we're, we're going to make that uh, we're going to make that happen. We're going to get adjusted to that. Uh, in better news, I have another decanter now. I have six now. Is this the one that's going to be for the infinity bottle? I think so. Um, this one came from Italy, and it's very pretty. It's very square. It kind of looks like an old-timey medicine bottle. And it came with two glasses. And, uh, you know, so I have six decanters now. Um, I have God only knows how many glasses. See, I didn't run this by uh, the big boss man here, by DJ here, but I'm thinking I may start photographing and doing little blurbs of all my glasses. Oh, do it up, dude. Um, and might start posting them to the blog and to various social medias because, God almighty, do I have a lot of glasses. Uh, but So that's the fun whiskey news I had. Plus, I went shopping, and I got what I'm going to review tonight and another bottle for next week. Uh, but what about you? What, are you uh, what did you do this week? Uh, not a ton. Uh, I got to open the dojo and run classes on, on Thursday, but it, it, this whole week I felt like I was a day behind because of the Monday holiday and... Uh, it was all a bit topsy turvy. Uh, work. Everybody was back to work this week. Uh, we we had a, a full week of just everybody being around and everybody needing things. So uh, it was mostly like a a work week and then just kind of crashing afterward. Um, I picked up a new book that I'm I'm getting into now. It's called The Invisible Life of Addie Larue by uh, V. E. Schwab. Uh, and it seems really interesting. The, the premise of the book seems to be that this uh, this woman wants to, like, break out of her, like, 1600s, 
you know, life is laid out before her because she's a woman, uh, like, her whole thing. And she makes a deal with basically a devil that uh, he'll help her get out of town and let her live forever traveling the world, but nobody remembers her uh, through sunrise. Brutal. Yeah, and it's uh, I, I supposedly at some point a a boy remembers her, and then it's you know hijinks ensue. So, well, we'll see what happens with it. It's pretty good so far. Uh, she seems to be a really good writer, so looking forward to that. Um, but you know, I just played some new video games. I've been playing the Immortals Phoenix Rising game that that Dave's obsessed with, the, and it's pretty damn good. Um, and so, if you're looking for a single player. And just don't mind filling in a map of icons. Uh, it's a very good game. It's very, like, Breath of the Wild open world stuff. And then you get to just deal with whiny Greek gods, and it's wonderful. I actually, you know, uh, I recently picked up PlayStation Now uh, during our little off-season in between Season 1 and Season 2. And I've been going through, and I picked up from that the first Homefront, which was a uh, PS3 game. Hmm. originally, and I ended up beating it because it was disappointingly short. I think the whole campaign was only something like four or five hours. Um, And it was basically kind of like your normal Call of Duty, go from point A to point B, you know, FPS, where people yell at you a lot. But what I liked about it was the story. It was written by the guy who wrote the original Red Dawn. Interesting. And it basically is America gets uh, invaded by North Korea, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And you get to do some guerrilla warfare insurgency things as an American. Cool. Um, So that was a lot of fun. So I blew through the first one, and then the second one was on there. So I've started playing the second one now, which is actually kind of fun because the second one takes place in Philadelphia. So I know a lot of the places uh, in the game. So, um, yeah, if you have PS Now, they're both on there. Uh, they're not bad. They're, you know, pretty easy time killers. And even if you're not the biggest FPS guy like I'm not, they're pretty fun. Nice. Yeah, every, everything else for my week was I finally got back to doing some housework. So I, I, I mudded and taped today. And it took me about three hours to get the, the metal bracketed tape around the uh, the corners of the room. And I was like, oh, I forgot how much I hate this part. I despise painting, whether it be houses, cars, any. I just, I hate painting. The Painting for me is super easy. I don't mind the painting part. It's the trying to get the mud just right and then trying to sand it just right. When I know that I'm just going to hit a point at some point and it's going to be good enough and that'll be it. Yeah, I mean, you know, there comes a point when you can only look at it so many times and when you look at it, you're going to notice the imperfections. I mean, you know, I, I've noticed this on a great many things. You know, one of my quarantine projects was I flamed the Roadster, and I bought the kit, and I sat, and I took my time, and I chalked it all out, and then I did tape measurements, and, you know, I checked the levels five, six, seven times. And if I look at it from the front, you could just see that the passenger side one is just maybe half an inch, if that, higher than the driver's side. <laughs> Nobody else can see that, but it drives me up a wall. Well, time to start over, Mark. Yeah, I know. I'm going to have to just heat gun them all off and buy the whole kit again and just start from scratch. <laughs> I was largely kidding, but fair. Let's, uh, you know, let's, let's 
let's turn this around a little bit. Uh, tell me what you're drinking. <sighs> okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> Are you going to break uh, your 17-episode uh, streak? Well, I mean, to be fair, I didn't really like that cherry monstrosity that I made that one night in desperation, <laughs> whatever, whatever the hell that was. But that, that's a little bit different in that that was just something that I concocted and, you know, I had nobody to blame but myself. I picked up a bottle this week of Cooper's Craft. Um, it's basically kind of a hipster bourbon. And... <sighs> This is another, you know, kind of fun little thing. They like to advertise that they broke all the rules of bourbon making. Well, there's a really famous saying. You're going to break all the rules, and then you're going to realize why you have rules. <laughs> um, it's okay. I mean, you know, it smells the part. It looks the part. It's got sort of a light color to it because it is very light. I mean, it's a bourbon, but you could easily mistake this for a Canadian or a Windsor or something like that because it's it's very light colored, very light on the tongue, very light on the palate, very light ABV. It's uh, They advertise it as 41%. I don't even think it's that. I mean, it tastes even weaker than it is. But my biggest complaint is there's a lot of honey and there's a lot of butterscotch. And which isn't necessarily a bad thing if it's advertised as, you know, a flavored bourbon or a liqueur or something. I mean, you know, I was pretty complimentary about Screwball a few episodes back in season one, but I knew what I was getting into with that. Okay, it's sugary, it's peanut buttery, it's whatever. This is just supposed to be like, you know, oh, this isn't your dad's bourbon. This is the bourbon for the new generation. No. <laughs> um, so, I mean... It's okay. I, I don't. I'm probably not going to buy it again. Uh, I'll finish it. It'll go into the infinity bottle. Corrupt everything else. I mean, blend with everything else. Um, <laughs> and it is what it is. I would say. I'm even hesitant to say that. I was about to say that I think it would be a good starter bourbon, a good intro bourbon, but I don't even know if it would be that because most. Regular bourbons don't have this heavy of a sugary flavor to them. I mean, flavored bourbons do, obviously. But, you know, if you went from this to a Jim Beam or a Maker's Mark or a Woodward Reserve, you'd be in for kind of a culture shock. So I don't even know if it's even a good starter bourbon. Interesting. But, I mean, it's cheap. It was like 28 bucks. So there is that. What are you drinking? Save this program. Tell me you enjoy what you're drinking. I do, actually. This is a really good whiskey. I want to find a full bottle of it at some point. I, I was going through my little vials and uh, found one I hadn't finished yet. And uh, it is, I, and I'm going to fuck up this name. I know it. Um, it's a Japanese single malt whiskey. Uh, it's 90 proof. Uh, and it's Nikka Kofe Malt. Or coffee malt. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. C O F F E Y. Kofefe. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> supposedly it's the kind of still that they used uh, to to make it, and this Japanese company like learned how to do it over in Scotland and brought it back. And uh, it's a hundred percent malt, malted barley. It's it's really good. It's smooth. Um, it's got like some vanilla overtones. It really smells like chocolate. 
I'm we're getting just, a lot We're all of doing chocolate. the sweets this week. Yeah. It's sweets week here instead of sweeps week. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. Mm. And it's really good. It's smooth. It's got the, a little bit of that burn, but the burn really quickly just kind of uh, dissipates and you just get that nice malt flavor. I love it. I, I think I'm a big fan of malted whiskeys. But yeah, no, it's really good. So Nika, uh, it's they've got a couple. Um, they've got Kofé co- uh, co- grain and Kofé malt. So I'm recommending the malt. Uh, it's about a sixty dollar bottle, but um, you know if you're you're feeling in the mood to celebrate, definitely pick yourself up a bottle. It's it's pretty damn tasty. Well, all right. Well, there you have it. We've got the two sides of the sweetness coin here. And uh, inadvertently, I think that's a pretty good segue because we're going to have two sides of the uh, nickel newsstand coin this week, aren't we? We are. I'm I'm very uh, excited. Are you? I am. I I am too, actually. So uh, as DJ said in our opening, we are doing uh, DC versus Marvel. Although, to be fair, it's more of DC and Marvel because full disclosure, we both like both. We, we are picking a side for, you know, argument purposes and because that's the format of this insanity show. Um, but we both enjoy both. We both read both. You know, uh, we don't actively hate anyone that likes one or the other, unless you're just a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and we both hate you. Uh, <laughs> but if you're a fan of the comic books, okay. Uh, and that being said, you know, we're not going to get into this discussion, at least on my end, at least on the DC end, is just going to be on the comics. We're not going to talk about the movies because they all suck for DC and quite a few of them suck for Marvel. Well, we're, I didn't because, say all of just them. Because I didn't say like all them. of them. No, I didn't say all of them. There's some <laughs> good ones. All the DC movies suck. I'll be the first to admit it. Um,. We're not going to talk about the TV shows, which at least with DC is kind of a mixed bag. You have the good, you have uh, Supergirl, you have Arrow, you have the eh with Flash and Black Lightning, and then you have the awful with uh, Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman. Oh, Legends of Tomorrow is so... It's the best one. Uh, I have opinions. You've been drinking too much of that malted whiskey. Oh, no, it's so good, dude. I have reasons. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that. I haven't really watched any of the Marvel shows. I watched Punisher. I didn't really watch any of the other ones, so I couldn't tell you either way whether they're good or bad. Um, and Jessica we're not going to talk Jones, about the animated shows. Jessica Jones was good. Um, I I feel like I feel like in terms of like television shows, they both are about on equal footing. I think DC's actually got a little bit of a head with the Arrowverse. It's in terms of popularity and, and how well it was received. And Marvel kind of abandoned a lot of their TV shows until fairly recently, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. Oh, yeah, I forgot that was a thing. That was on ABC, wasn't it? Uh, possibly. I loved Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. unabashedly. It was fantastic. But I, I didn't actually do much research into the MCU or into, like, the television shows. I stuck mostly to comics, but I did pull one movie that I'm going to recommend. Okay, so there you go. So this will be 95% comics. Yeah, that that was my intent. I'm glad you went the same way. Well, I mean, as a DC fan, it's kind of hard to go otherwise, because mm-hmm. uh, unless you talk about the animated universe, but that that's a whole nother episode. Uh, all right, well, do you want to go first or should I? Yeah, so I uh, I went 
and pulled some history. So I figured we could bounce back and forth a little bit. Um, I, I didn't do a ton of history, but I did kind of pull out some things that I thought were interesting. Uh, so Marvel Comics was started in 1939 by Martin Goodman. Uh, back then it was known as Timely Comics, and two years later uh, he published, under the Timely Con Comics banner, uh, the first issue of Captain America. Uh, so 1941 is where we, we get Cap. And I, I'm, I feel like a lot of us know the story of Cap and how Captain America was also kind of propaganda-y. Uh, so uh, I didn't actually do too much like historical stuff there, though I'm sure uh, Mark could probably talk circles around it. Uh, so I just kind of stuck straight to the comic book era stuff. And what is considered the Marvel comic book era started in 1961 with uh, the Fantastic Four. Uh, so that's where we get the big names, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko. And from 1961, that's where we start to see a lot of what Marvel seems like today, right? We get Spider-Man in 62. We get the X-Men in 63, along with Iron Man, you know, separate IPs. Iron Man didn't actually have his, uh, his own run for a while. Um... And uh, that's that era is what gave us, you know, Thor and the Hulk. And uh, I don't think they actually formed the Avengers until later, but uh, I, I didn't actually get far enough to start with the Avengers because then I started looking into MCU stuff and, and how things tracked between uh, comics and TV. And then I was like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be researching comic books. Um, so... Marvel had a pretty good run. And, Mark, I don't know if you kind of felt like this. I always felt like Marvel was like the happy, sunlit comic books. And DC was the grungy, dark, I, I need to like feel something comic books. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I've always thought that. Growing up, I always thought that. You know, reading them, I always thought that. But I forget, I was listening to another podcast, and it had nothing to do with comic books. It was either one of my true crime podcasts I listened to, or one of my wrestling ones, or one of my Formula One ones. I can't remember. And somebody was making uh, the analogy of comparing two things, and they said, oh, well, it's, you know, it's kind of like Marvel. Marvel were the more realistic comics, and DC were like the fantasy ones. And I was like, well, wait, hold on a minute. What the hell is he talking about? And thankfully, his co-host kind of called him out on it. And he said, well, no, see, you know, later on when Stan Lee got more creative control, you know, Spider-Man was dealing with drugs and alcoholism and, you know, uh, Iron Man had the demon in the bottle. And they had these relatable, you know, sort of down-to-earth storylines, whereas, you know, DC had Brainiac coming to destroy the planet and put it in a bottle. And I was like, oh. Well, yeah, okay, actually, if you say it like that. It's true, but it's like, Mark and I also, like, those weren't the comics I grew up with. Like, no. I didn't go back and read old school Cap and old school Batman. Like, I started, man, I can't really remember when I started, but it was probably late 90s when I started reading comic books. I want to say it was the early 90s, but it wasn't, I mean, 93, 94, 95, it wasn't much much earlier. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I read a lot of prose when I was a little kid, and then I got into comic books, and then I got into manga. But, uh, I, so, I, I kind of, 
I picked some stuff out that I want to talk about too, but why don't why don't we switch to you so you can bring in some of the DC history too, and we can kind of compare and contrast. All right. Well, you know, uh, for those of our listeners that follow baseball, uh, you know, you have the American League and you have the National League, and uh, while the American League is generally competition wise the better league. National League fans are kind of uppity because it's the older league. It's the senior circuit, and they wear that as a badge of honor. So I'm going to be that uppity guy because D.C. <laughs> is the National League. It's older, 1934. Uh, it began as National Allied Publications. Which is just, <laughs> they all had such dumb names way They back all had then. such just awful names. Um, and so it was founded originally by a guy named Malcolm Wheeler Nicholson, which just... He either sounds like a member of the House of Lords in England or a really good carnival barker, and I can't decide which. Uh, but, you know, he began uh, publishing it. He wanted it to be, you know, a, a genuine, bona fide American-style comic book mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, all them funny foreigners trying to corrupt our children. Uh, so his very fu first one was The New Fun a big comic magazine, and that's <laughs> the actual title. I wish I was making that up. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's just so bad. It's, it's uh, not good. Uh, and basically all it was, it wasn't even an original title. It was just reprints of the funnies from newspapers. Uh, but they hit it big later on in 1936 with a little book called Detective Comics. Yep. And uh, DC, well, as it was known back then, you know, American publishing, whatever the hell it was, they had a lot of these. They had these sort of anthologies. They had action comics. They had adventure comics. They had detective comics. And basically, they would sort of play on um, the serials that were uh, running before movies. You know, you would get maybe three or four stories per issue with certain recurring characters that would be in their own story, and they wouldn't really overlap too, too much. Um, and from these, you started to get popular characters. Detective Comics number 27 gave us... Batman. Batman, yes. Uh, whereas Action Comics number one gave us... Super Superman. And it's kind of interesting because even amongst non-comic people, Action Comics number one kind of has this weird mystique to it. Oh, yeah. Uh, because this, for right or for wrong, for good or for bad, this is considered to have set the archetype for a superhero. You know, the tights, the cape, the powers as the storyline demands, you know, truth, justice in the American way, all that happy bullshit. <laughs> um... And even my father, who's not really a, a big comic book guy, but he used to always say, you know, oh, Superman, he was, you know, the original superhero, you know, how, how could you like that Lex Luthor bullshit, you know, Superman, blah, blah, blah. For Father's Day the one year, I bought him a reprint of Action Number 1, because uh, in case you don't know this, Action Number 1's very valuable. Oh, yeah. Uh, in 2014, one sold for $3.21 million, uh, just to put that into perspective. So I paid about 40 or $50 for this reprint, which was numbered by DC with some limited run, some bullshit, had all the, the original adverts and everything in it. My father still has not opened it yet. Yeah. 
And I'm like, Pops, this isn't a real one. Like, you can read this. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's action number one. Oh. Okay. Um, I, like so, the, I like how apt your impression of your dad is. <laughs> I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> so uh, they started to spin some of these off. They wanted, you know, more uh, caped and masked superheroes. So Batman got his own comic. Uh, you know, Superman got his own comic eventually. And then they started to merge all these different companies. You had Detective Comics, Inc. You had National Comics Publications. Uh, you had National Periodicals Publications. You had National Comics. And then you even had a run as Superman slash DC for a little while. And these are some of the older comics that I own have the, the Superman DC label. Um, and so really DC was a conglomerate of sort of all these different corporations. Different comics would be published under different labels. And it wasn't until 1977 that they finally consolidated under the name DC Comics, which is kind of funny because it literally means Detective Comics Comics. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an ATM machine. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, in the early days, uh, DC was kind of like uh, Disney and the WWE in that they were copyright infringement whores. Uh, so they sued a lot of smaller publications out of business for real or inferred copyright infringement, which kind of gave them a bad rep. Um, and then, you know, they tried to switch to crime and horror because after World War II, and uh, Superman also went through sort of a phase like Captain America. There's a lot of, well, really, quite frankly, really racist uh, Superman comics and cartoons from World War II. Oh, yeah. Uh, that are just blatant propaganda. But after that, and then after the war ended and superheroes kind of fell out of favor, they tried to go into these crime, detective, pulp novel, thriller things. But they failed miserably because they were following the comics code, which had just recently been created. So they kind of fell into a dork age after that. But um, so really, you know, Marvel didn't get its traditional Marvel identity until the 60s. DC really didn't get it until the 70s. So, you know, it's the fanboys like to sit around on both sides and brag about 87, 90 years, you know, of being around. They really weren't, though. It's really like 50 years in the way we think of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the with the. The Fantastic Four in 61, that's really when Marvel Comics was a thing. And even then, like, nobody was really reading it. Like, it, it wasn't until, you know, a few years later when, you know, X-Men and Spider-Man and, and Iron Man had launched that things started to really get popular. I mean, you could make the argument that the reboot of Flash in 56... Uh, in Showcase Comics, which was another uh, another serial, another hit. So you had Adventure, you had Detective, you had Showcase, and you had Action. There's at least four, and I know I'm missing a few more. Mm. Um, but uh, you could make the argument that the reboot of Flash in 56 could be considered the start. But even then, you had Flash and then sort of a bunch of weird stuff that they were trying. They didn't really find their identity for a few years after that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. All right, so we'll throw it back to you. Yeah, so I... I actually kind of went back through my comic book collection and I went back through my graphic novels and I realized that while, I mean, I, you couldn't be a nerd in the 90s and not know about the comic book game, right? Like, you had to know about DC, you had to know about Marvel. And most of my exposure to, to Marvel and DC were uh, like the animated shows, right? Like um, 
uh, the Avengers show and mm-hmm. the uh, Batman the animated series and a lot of that kind of stuff. And I, I would casually read comic books here and there, but I realized that I didn't really start buying comic books until... Uh, and, and maybe this is something I should have mentioned in the the last um, <laughs> the last episode. I didn't really start start buying comic books until I was in college. Uh, I think other than the Sonic the Hedgehog issue that I sent you, I think that's that was the only comic book I owned for like the longest time. And it was just like I'd go over a friend's house; they would have stacks of comics. I'd sit in the corner, read some comic books, and. You know, I'd go to Barnes and Noble and hang out when my parents were shopping and read, you know, whatever they had on the shelf. So I was kind of just a casual fan until I would say probably like 2006, 2007 when I started getting more into comic books. And the first, I think the earliest graphic novel, like one of the first ones I ever bought was issue, it, it was it was not even comic books. I was buying the... Uh, the collected edition. So I think this was like 2010 when I started really collecting graphic novels and I bought uh, the first volume of the 2008 run of Invincible Iron Man. Ooh. And I love it. That's love a good it. run. I love it. I've gone. I've since gone back and uh, filtered through and I thought it would be an interesting perspective because I went and looked at my... Uh, I, I have a shelf devoted to DC uh, graphic novels and a shelf devoted to Marvel. And I looked at my DC shelf, and it was all, like, 90% of it's Batman and Robin. And then I've got, like, a few, like, a few things that you have to know about when you're into comic books, right? Like Final Crisis or uh, Flashpoint, Blackest Night. You know, I've got the heavy hitters in the DC realm. And then I looked in my Marvel shelf, and it's like it's just runs that I liked of the characters I liked. And uh, so uh, I didn't. I, I did a little bit of research with the MCU. It started in two thousand eight with Iron Man, so the MCU's been around for twelve, thirteen years. And I think we could probably at, at some point this episode talk about uh, what Marvel does well with like cinema and what DC does well um, but I'm just going to kind of skip over the MCU and talk a little bit about um, something that was really important to me as I was starting to collect more and more comics in like the 2010 and on and that was representation Ah, and it was something that I only saw here and there in uh, DC leading up to that point, right? Like, uh, like how many uh, Green Lanterns did we get? And, and I think, like, I remember the first time that the Green Lantern was African-American. Everybody was like, oh, my God, there's an African-American Green Lantern. Um, but for me, like, I was getting into comic books slowly, and I finally, like, hit, hit my a full head of steam when I started buying like Iron Man and, and, and um, I, I was, I was buying a lot of like Spider-Man at the time too, like Superior Spider-Man and Ultimate Spider-Man and all of the, the, you know, the various runs. And so I, I put together a list of like, and this is not by me any means 
complete, but of really interesting representation in Marvel Comics that happened fairly recently. Uh, so in 2012, Marvel Comics had the first gay wedding in comic books. Uh, it was the gay wedding of the X-Men North Star. And, of course, the, you know, the wedding gets attacked. Oh, that's all right. Of good stuff, yep. So that was 2012. Are you telling me that there's a major event in a comic book and a villain attacks it? Mm-hmm. I don't believe it. I mean, they got fucked up, though, because all of the X-Men are at this wedding. <laughs> Uh, then 2013, uh, we get the second uh, iteration of Miss Marvel uh, in uh, Kamala Khan, who uh, last year we got the Avengers video game, and Kamala Khan uh, features as like the main character of that whole video game. And uh, she's, got, she's of Muslim descent and a Muslim background, and her outfit is designed... Um, around uh, like Muslim clothing, and there's a lot of interesting culture to explore in the comic book. I just started reading Miss Marvel, so it's fresh in my mind. Uh, but she's fascinating. Uh, in 2014, we um, right around Secret Wars and a, and a uh, fear itself, and a whole bunch of other really cool things happening. Uh, we uh, Thor lost the hammer. And, s- and uh, we find out that Jane Foster picks it up and we get, uh, uh, I, I think the original run is uh, the mighty Thor, Thunder in Her Veins. And that's fantastic. Uh, that just sounds like an adult film. It, I know, it really does. I um, don't want to be that guy. but There's a really good chance that in 2022... Uh, with the next Thor movie, we're actually going to be able to see Jane Foster Thor on the big screen, yeah, which love e- and thunder. excites me. I'm really excited. Uh, 2015, we got uh, a new Iron Hero. Uh, we got Ironheart, Riri Williams. Uh, got uh, a, some really awesome comic books there. In 2015, uh, Gwen Stacy got to be Spider-Woman. Uh, so we had Spider-Gwen slash Ghost Spider. Uh, and in 2019, uh, with the rising popularity of the Black Panther comics, uh, uh, T'Challa's younger sister, Shuri, took over as the Black Panther uh, in a really great uh, comic run. Um, and then in 2018, uh, we had uh, Miles Morales take center stage in Into the Spider-Verse. So some really awesome, fairly recent representation that I was really excited about for Marvel. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's a pretty good rehash of the last decade, decade and a half, which is good. We're finally catching up, you know, the print media is finally catching up to the rest of the world, which is always nice to see. Yeah. Um, for my next bit, I actually went, well, still going forward in history, but back from where you were. <laughs> yeah. I stopped in the mid-80s just because DC went on kind of a shift that really arguably it set the tone for comics for both DC and Marvel until the last run that you just went through. So in a way, this is sort of a good back segue. Um, And I think what doesn't get talked enough about uh, these series that we're going to talk about is both DC and Marvel in the early to mid-80s started hiring freelancers. 
Mm. So, like, well, not I shouldn't say started, but more consistently hired freelancers and gave them more creative control. So you didn't have these writers that were necessarily tied to a character for decades and decades and decades. And, you know, all they drew was The Flash or Wolverine or something. You brought some people in that had new ideas, had a new outlook on life, and, you know, maybe two or three years they're going to write for DC, and they're going to jump over to Marvel, and they're going to jump over to IDW. And so they kind of took all, all the archetypes we knew and threw them away. Uh, and it was across in a little three-year run. It started in 1984 uh, with Alan Moore and the Saga of the Swamp Thing. <laughs> nice. And this sort of, you know, took a character that was on the back burner and really ratcheted up the creepiness, really ratcheted up the horror, and was just a great run and had really good art, too. Um, uh, you also see Neil Gaiman coming in around this time. You see Grant Morrison coming in around this time in addition to Alan Moore. Then the next year, you had what really has was never done before and has been attempted but so far never successfully duplicated. In 1985, you had the Crisis on Infinite Earths yep. where you had a company flat out say, yeah, you're right, our shit is way too confusing. We can't follow it either. We're going to wipe the deck clean. The first reboot. The, and literally everyone took a step back and went, yeah, okay, it's a comic book. It's all going to be undone two weeks later. No, they wiped the deck clean. They did. Um, admittedly, a lot of it has since been reset, but it took years. It took over a decade in many cases, which in comic book time is forever. It, yeah, it's... I mean, considering nowadays, it seems like Marvel and DC both do a universe-ending event once a year. Yes. Uh, and then in 1986, you got two very big series. You got The Dark Knight Returns, mm -hmm. which, uh, for those of you that haven't read it, is if what Batman versus Superman would have been if it was good. Yeah. Uh, and then you got Watchmen. Oh, uh, Watchmen. By and so you take these four series and a few other ones that had launched at that time. The new Teen Titans was another one that, that started, I want to say, in 86, somewhere around there. Uh, and they ushered in what's called the Dark Age of comic books. Because you had the Golden Age, you had the Silver Age, you had the Bronze Age, and then in the 80s you got the Dark Age. And that really set the tone for what DJ and I grew up reading. Yeah, that's true. These gritty, realistic, almost you know crime thrillers... And this is where I come at the DC versus Marvel argument. I mean, I like Marvel. I like some of their characters. I, I love their heroes. I mean, Cap is, is interesting. Mm. Every, everybody loves Spider-Man. I don't know a single person that doesn't like Spider-Man. Um, uh, I personally love Iron Man. But to me, Marvel's villains always lacked. Marvel always just sort of had these, you know, campy, you know over-the-top supervillains, you know, almost like basically the villains from the old Batman TV show, but, like, in a comic book form. Yeah, you know, like Calendar Man. <laughs> Touche, Salesman. I would have went with Condiment King if you were going to throw that out there. But <laughs> that's just me. Whereas, for the most part, with certain exceptions, uh, DC had villains that, one, you could believe... With, again, with exceptions, 
but two, some of them actually kind of make sense. Some of them make you sit there and go, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> you know, and it's sort of a gray and gray mor morality. And, of course, like anything else, when you ratchet that up to the extreme, you get Batman screaming about Martha for 20 minutes yes. and, and just going off in the corner and cutting himself, and nobody likes that. But when it's done correctly, it adds a whole new level. Um, and I think the best recommendation I could say for this that where it really reached its peak was uh, if you can find the trade paperback or even the novelization, they made a novel out of it, read Kingdom Come. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, DC, I think it was a six-shot arc or an eight-shot arc originally, but like I said, you can buy the trade. And uh, it's basically what would happen if superheroes were left unchecked and you sort of get a superhero civil war. It's sort of like DC civil war, um, but it really, you know, calls into question you know then you have the villains fighting the superheroes and it's like well who's the villain and who's the superhero it's, yeah. it's really pretty interesting um it, but it, the villains is an interesting comparison because as i look you know look back through my marvel comic books there are some i like i feel like spider-man's villains are pretty iconic at this point you know like doc ock and green goblin and and i feel like they've been examined quite extensively um and but like i feel like you know, DC villains are many, and they're complicated. I yes. feel like Marvel has a few really great villains. Like Venom, I would consider a really great uh, villain. Um, you know, Carnage. Mostly Spider-Man villains for me, personally. But um, <laughs> I'm noticing a theme. Well, but, to be fair, I mean, most of the great DC villains are Batman villains. Yeah. So that, that's fair. But, like, I, I do feel like Marvel comics tend to be more about the heroes struggling with themselves. And it tends to be yep. less about, like, I mean, Iron Man's greatest villain is himself. Yep. So I, 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 you do bring up a good point, though. I mean, I can name a ton of DC villains. I have a hard time naming a lot of Marvel villains. I mean, Thanos, Ultron, but again, we've just had a ton of movies about them. And I mean that, you know, one isn't necessarily better than the other. You know, I mean, it's, it's whatever you prefer. I mean, that's why they make chocolate and vanilla. It's true. But it is an interesting dichotomy. And I think that's why it's so great in the few licensed crossovers that we have had. Oh, man. Um, seeing that, I mean, you know, all comic collectors talk about their grail, right? Like the one issue they have to have. Um, you know, Action 23 really would be mine. That was the first appearance of Lex Luthor. But they're starting at $50,000. That's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, a more realistic one is in the mid-'80s, there was a Superman versus Spider-Man crossover. Amazing. Uh, that They run for about $300 when you can find them. And uh, Doc Ock and Luther actually team up. And it's such an interesting dichotomy because Doc Ock is Doc Ock. I mean, he's changed somewhat over the years, but he's recognizable. And Luther at that time had just developed his evil businessman persona. He was shedding the mad scientist and was becoming the corrupt corporate executive. Um, so it's kind of an interesting little back and forth. And, uh, you know, hell, even when you look at the one in the 90s, I have the six-shot run in the 90s, which I believe is just called DC versus Marvel. Um, Wonder Woman wields Thor's hammer. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Which, which I, when I read that, I popped. I freaked out. Like I didn't know it was coming, and I was like, "Oh hell yes!" Um, you know, so it, it's kind of fun to play with. You know, we could sit here all day and argue over which one is better, which one is worse, but they're both pretty neat when you, if you can look at them from a, a like a almost neutral perspective. Yeah, that's fair. Man. Yeah, I, I've been sitting here ever since you said it trying to figure out what my grail would be. I mean, it would either be something fairly recent that I probably already have, or it would be like one of the first introductions of like Archangel or um, Nightcrawler. Um, you know, maybe the first issue of uh, like Spider-Man encountering Venom. Something like that. I, I don't know what the exact issue would be, but one of those would probably be it. Well, if you're listening, ladies and gentlemen, let us know what your grail is. Yes. Leave it on Facebook. Leave it on uh, Instagram. Email us at thewittenwhiskey at gmail.com. We want to know what's, what's your grail. That would be amazing. So the last thing I had was I went through my collection, and I, I did a pick three, and I picked three... Uh, I didn't pick issues. I picked graphic novels. Um, so I picked trades to recommend. Uh, did, do you have any recommendations, Mark? Uh, I do, but you go first. Okay. So my first one, I talked a little bit about this before, uh, is the 2008 to 2012 run of Invincible Iron Man. And specifically, I think it's the third or fourth trade, uh, but it's the... Uh, issues 20 through 24 of that run uh, is a, a Iron Man arc called Stark Disassembled. It's one of my favorite Marvel comic runs. Uh, it's, it, you just get to watch Tony slowly like zero out his brain. Uh, in, and it's like the, it's the final nail in the coffin that was Civil War. So it's uh, a really interesting perspective as he's trying to save uh, the, all superheroes from the the ultimate effects of the superhero registration act. Uh, so that that's a good one. The uh, second one, the second trade I recommend is uh, Mark Miller's Old Man Logan, uh, two thousand eight. Uh, I, I can't tell you anything about it except it's like old Wolverine and old Hawkeye hanging out. Uh, but it's got just one of the most amazing twists in comic books. And then the other one would be the first official trade of Spider-Gwen's run after she got introduced in Edge, Edge of the Spider-Verse. Uh, and that was in 2015. Okay. Well, that's very good. I have four. I couldn't pick three. I have four. That's fair. But, but before I do that, I have a few numbers. Okay. Um, now I didn't even bother looking for last year's sales figures cause last year was just brutal to any <laughs> type of printed media. Yeah. So throw them away. But I did uncover the 2019 sales figures and, uh, not surprising Marvel beat DC. Uh, but what was surprising to me, and maybe this is because it was one I never really got into as a kid, uh, what do you think was Marvel's number one seller in 2019? Don't Google it. I hear you typing. What do you think was Marvel's number one seller in 2019? Was that a comic book? It was. 
I'm trying to remember what I was reading for Marvel back then. Um, I would guess Miles Morales. It actually was the reboot of the X-Men. Oh, damn it. I should have guessed X-Men. It was too easy. Uh, that being said, DC had the number one selling individual issue for the year, and that was the Detective Comics 1000 special, which I actually went out and bought a copy uh, Yeah, of. to be fair, I, I also own that one. <laughs> yeah, and that was priced at $10, so DC having the number one comic at $10 a shot was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you look at... Um, and the numbers are skewed. If you look at who were the top three comics publishers, you get different sets of numbers depending on whether or not you include trades and graphic novels. But if you take the number that includes everything, who do you think the top three publishers are? Hmm. I would think Marvel and DC would be one and two. Eh. Really? Number three is Marvel Comics. Okay. Number two is DC Comics. Number three is... Or no, number one. Or number one is... Viz Media. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I've, hey, you know, you got to be fair. I, I mean, Viz is such a giant media empire at this point. Well, I mean, technically DC is if you include Warner Brothers. And well, hell, Marvel's Disney. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> but those are just some numbers to flavor it, um, you know, putting that into perspective. Okay, so my recommendations. Uh, number one, you know, I have to go with type here, uh, Lex Luthor, Man of Steel. Okay. Uh, it was, it, you can get it, it was a, a six shot, but you can get it as a trade, and they re-released it as just Luthor. Um, but it is a, a fantastic book. It really puts you into his mindset and really makes you realize why Superman's an asshole. <laughs> um, that's number one. Uh, then the other three are in no particular order. The second run, volume two of Lucifer, which started in 2015 after the TV show got popular. Now, before you all throw things at me, it's not based off of the TV show. No, it's based off of the character from The Sandman. Yes, and, it's and it has. Good. I read it's, that run. It's so good. It has art done by Holly Black, which is phenomenal. Everyone I know hates it, and I don't understand why. Oh and no, I loved it. I'm right there with you, buddy. With the new, um, the new version of Lucifer, it's already been made non-canon. It makes me very sad. But go out and find it. Uh, it is just, it's fantastic. Mm. Um, starts off with the murder of God and just goes from there. Yeah, so good. Uh, so that's the second one. Uh, Batman, uh, oh, God, what, I, I, knew what the, I knew what the title was, um, and then it just left my brain. It's upstairs. I didn't, I didn't bring it downstairs. Oh, Kings of Fear, that's what it was. It came back. Batman, Kings of Fear. It's a six-shot. Um, Scarecrow captures Batman, knows he's Bruce Wayne, ties him up on a couch and uh, uses his fear toxin to analyze him as a psychiatrist. And it plays with the idea of what would Gotham be like if Batman never existed and did Batman actually create the supervillains? Like, were the supervillains a response to Batman and not the other way around? And I won't go into spoiler territory, but it is really good. Yeah. 
and it plays with a lot of ideas that just make you go, huh. And then the third one, the last one, the fourth one, will go a little bit lighthearted. The reboot, I believe it was 2018 or 2019 reboot of The Wonder Twins. Ooh. Uh, because it is very self-aware. It is very fourth wall happy. Uh, all Basically, it's the Wonder Twins trying to join the Justice League and all the other Justice League people feeling sorry for them. Uh, full disclosure, Lex Luthor is the main villain in it, but his main form of villainy is he owns uh, commercial prisons and telemarketing call centers. <laughs> Those are how he dominates America. Um, so, you know, they just have a lot of fun. Like, they do the whole Wonder Twin Powers activate thing, and they touch their rings, and they're like, wow, that's really stupid. Let's never do that again. And, and you know, just stuff like that. So if you want something fun, I think that's been put into a trade, too, because that was only a 12-issue run. So you could pick that up. Those, those are my four for DC if you want to cover the entire vein of the spectrum. Woof. Okay, let's, let's flip it for the end of the episode. What would you recommend from Marvel? Oh, okay. Uh, well, I'm quite partial to the original late 60s, early 70s run of Invincible Iron Man. I have about 70-some of them upstairs. Nice. Uh, that's quite good. Uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with anything Spider-Man. I mean, again, I don't know anybody that doesn't like Spider-Man. And there's so many spiders to choose from now. <laughs> there really are. You will, Even if you don't like necessarily Peter Parker, you'll find someone else you like. Yeah, there, there, there's a uh, <laughs> there's Penny Parker now, who's an anime spider girl. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you just you have stuff like that. Um, so those two, and then oh god, let me think. Are the Star Wars comics Marvel? Mm-hmm. There have been some good Darth Vader Star Wars comics. Yeah, there's been some really badass Darth Vader moments in the Star Wars comics recently. So, I mean, pretty much anything with any arc involving Vader, I've read a couple of them, pretty much any arc involving Vader in those comics, you, you really can't go wrong with any of those. That's All awesome. right, you, you you recommend 3DC, and try to pick at least one that isn't Robin related. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, uh, so if I were going to be really good about this... Um, I'm going to try to only pick one Robin. So You could pick two. I picked two that had Lex in them. Okay, I'll pick DC. two Robin then. Uh, I really love uh, the, the most recent run of Super Sons, uh, which was that is good. Damien and Jonathan Kent <gasps> teaming up and fighting crime. And I think it was one of the best written runs of Damien Wayne as Robin because... Uh, like, they only paired him up with Superboy. So they could write him to be as powerful as they wanted, and he wouldn't come off being a smug little asshole because any time he got too big for his britches, Jonathan Kent would take him up in the sky and drop him. So uh, that that run was really great. Uh, I really love everything surrounding Robin Wars. Um, which is, uh, it, I mean, Robin Wars is just two trades, uh, and the it, Robin Wars kind of comes out of the the I Am Robin stuff as well. There's this 
really great um, run on Batman from Snyder and Capullo, and at one point, Batman is just gone. And uh, to fill the Batman void, uh, somebody in the city decides to crowdfund Robins, and they have to fight like a horde of Joker things in Robin Wars, and that was fantastic. Um, for my one non-Robin DC recommendation... I think I gotta go classic. I gotta recommend Black as Night. It's so good. I just I I love being able to uh, Blackest Night and Brightest Day. I love being able to see all of the different kinds of lanterns. I really enjoyed the fallout from it. I love seeing Lex pick up the greed um, <laughs> and then try to bribe Death. Yeah, uh, it was just it's such a good run. Uh, and has n- no robins in it whatsoever. So uh, the, it probably has, if not the most badass, one of the top three for sure, most badass two-page spreads. When every group of lanterns is together and across both pages unfolded, they all recite their oaths back to back to back to back to back. Yeah, like that's one of those things that even though it's print media, like if it doesn't get you jazzed. Get out of here. Yeah, like, no, this doesn't get you jacked up. I don't want to hear it. it. It was just colorful and wonderful, and there was a billion archetypes. It's everything that I love in a comic book. So, um, But Brightest Day was really good, too, and I don't feel like Brightest Day gets enough credit. No, it doesn't. You're not wrong. Um, uh, for whatever reason, Blackest Night became more iconic, I think just because of the concept of death and the concept of reanimation. I think every, in general, I think people, comic readers like it when uh, the comics acknowledge like, oh, this is an issue we have going forward. You know, we didn't really forget about it. Here's where it's going to come and bite us all in the ass. Yeah. Um, which you kind of got in Blackest Night. And at least for me, that's what hooked me. Yeah. Uh, and so that was good. But no, Brightest Day, Blackest Night, you can't go wrong with either one of those. Th- there's so many comic runs that we aren't mentioning, right? Like, Grant Morrison's run on uh, Batman and Robin was fantastic. Um, the, there were some really great runs of uh, Iron Man fairly recently. Uh, Superior Iron Man comes to mind. So if uh, if you want to see uh, Iron Man go power hungry, that's a that's a good one to read. Uh, Superior Spider Man's a really great run too. We're just kind of naming some runs off the top of our heads. But, like, we aren't talking about any of the big crossovers, right? Like, we're not talking about Civil War. We're not talking about Secret Wars. We're not talking about every damn crisis DC's ever had. No, and, uh, you know, and we're not talking about any of the oddballs. Um, Stan Lee did a run for DC that nobody talks about. What if? Uh, sort of. It was, called, it was their version. It was called Just Imagine. It was DC's version of What If. It was called Just Imagine. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, Superman fights a super-powered high school quarterback, <laughs> which, when you read it, it kind of makes you wonder if Stan Lee got beat up as a child. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he did a run on Batman. He did some Superman stuff. You know, there, there's a lot of really just odd things in there. Um, you know, and then we're ta- we're not talking about you know the non comic comics for lack of a better term. The original Sandman, um, it won a Pulitzer. It's the only comic I believe to ever do that. Woof. It's that good. <laughs> uh, you know, so there's literally tens of thousands of comics that we aren't discussing 
because we don't have 47 hours to do it. It's so true. But, I mean, I, I, a quick search through uh, some basic, like, just find a character that you like and go research which runs to read of them because uh, comic books are great, guys. Yes, they, I mean, and it is a rabbit hole. You Once you, st- they're like Pringles. Once you pop, you're not going to stop. Yeah, it's true. Mark, take us out, bro. Well, this has been DC versus Marvel. And, you know, I, when you read comics, we're all winners. It's so, you true. know, I'm, I'm not going to proclaim myself champion like I usually do when we do these head-to-head episodes. Um, just go pick up a comic book, enjoy them. If you have comic books, try to get your your sons, your daughters, your nieces, your nephews, your little cousins. Get kids involved because the other thing we're not talking about is comics, like all print media, aren't doing so well right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I purposely didn't talk about that because I want to end on a happy note, goddammit. Uh, so that's this episode. Thank you all for listening. As we mentioned earlier, we are uh, the Wit and Whiskey cast on all the various social medias, Facebook, Instagram. We have a Gmail account. You can email us. Uh, and there's no H in wit, and there is an E in whiskey. So, you know, just make sure you punch that. <laughs> if you, you punch us up on Facebook. We're the first one that pops up. So, you know, we have that going. We are averaging. I was looking at our insights this morning. We are averaging about 250 views per post. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, you know, considering that, you know, we're just two schmucks that like to drink and bullshit. Um, I'm pretty happy with that. So thank you to everyone that listens and likes and clicks and does all the things. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh, Our episodes are up on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on our own website, of course, where you could see our blog and see a lot of our uh, drink recipes and a lot of the photos of the drinks that we take every week. Uh, Some of our episodes are on Podbean. Uh, Basically, punch us into whatever you listen to, and chances are you'll find us. Yeah, Google Uh, can find us at this point. Google can find us, which is wonderful. Uh, so, you know, and if you like us, leave us a review. You know, that helps us out a lot with all the algorithms and things, and it makes it easier for other people to find them. Big thank you to Henry Nuno Silva. He did our intro and our outro music, as always, which is fantastic. And we're going to link to his SoundCloud on the uh, uh, description of this episode. So be sure to go over there, listen to some of his stuff, because it's really good. It um, is. What are we doing next week? I don't know. Why don't, why don't you pick some and, and, and let me know? Or you can just pick one. Oh, God. Well, you know, I mean, selfishly, it's not on our list. But selfishly, next weekend is the 24 Hours at Daytona. And I have had in my mind uh, an episode on endurance racing, more specifically. Because that's a very interesting genre that, you know, we can really talk some nutsy cuckoo stories about. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, I don't think we have enough time to get a guest, do we? Uh, probably not. I'm going to, I'm going to put some feelers out, see if we can get a guest in for episode, uh, four or five. I think that would be good. All right. I got our topics list up here. Well, we just did comic books. Uh, we've sort of done weaponry. We've done anime. I don't think you want to do Pokemon next week. I don't think you're up for it yet. <laughs> you have to. You have to get jazzed for that episode. Uh, I mean, I'm always jazzed about Pokemon, but I don't know that we're ready to have uh, a Pepe Sylvia episode yet. <laughs> uh, we can do. Uh, we could do the first part of our 87 episode run on D and D if we want. That could be fun. We'd have to. We'd have to narrow it down onto some more specific aspect of it, but we could do that. Hmm. 
Yeah, what kind of aspect would you want to link it down to? Would we want to get into, in general, char- creating a character? Yeah, let's get let's do character creation. All right, character creation and whiskey next week here on the W and W. So bring your D twenties. Don't roll them at home. That's an inside joke that like two of you got. But if you got it, <laughs> you're laughing really hard right now. Uh, and, you know, join us next week. We're going to be on all our various uh, networks talking about that. And so until then, my name is Marcus Eddy Jr. for my name DJ, is DJ Gagnon. Gagnon. No, there he is. Yes, Salute. Yes. And cheers. <laughs>